0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 345. When it comes to eating on a Royal Caribbean cruise, there's plenty of choices to consider, but this week, I'm listing my top five places to eat on a Royal Caribbean cruise across any ship in the fleet. Here we go. it's Probably no secret that one of the things I absolutely love about a roller cream cruise is eating on board. Number one, I don't have to cook it, number two, I don't have to clean up after it, and number three, it tastes even better because I didn't have to make it. So, yeah, I love eating on a roller cream cruise because it offers me so many different choices and options, and it has become quickly one of my favorite things to do on a cruise. And really, I think ever since my first roller cream cruise, the dining on board is an experience, it's not just something you do three times a day in order to sustain yourself. It's about enjoying it. And I think with so many more dining opportunities and options added, it has become just something I really look forward to. When we book a cruise now and we start planning it, I probably pay equal attention to the dining plans on board as I do the shore excursions or even any of the other onboard activities. So today I wanted to share my top five dining places on board, the spots on board, top five on across the entire fleet that I absolutely positively love eating at the most. Um, these are complimentary and specialty, although it's gonna definitely veer more in the specialty than the complimentary. Please do not take that as a sign that I don't like complimentary dining. Far from it. There's just more varied options with specialty than there are complimentary. So as a result, that's the way it is right there. Um, but again, these are kind of you know my favorite things because I get this question a lot. It's like, oh, I'm going on such and such to the seas which, you know, what, what's your favorite place to dine at, things of that nature. So today I want to talk about my top five. And number five is Portside Barbecue, currently available on Oasis of the Seas, but coming to uh, a by Allure of the Seas, among others. And Portside Barbecue is, is a brand new concept, came out with Oasis of the Seas late last year. And I got to tell you, I am not a giant barbecue fan. I don't go to barbecue restaurants at home. Uh, I, I think barbecue is fine, but it's far from my favorite type of cuisine. So when it was added to a waste of the Seas, I was like, you know, yay, barbecue, hooray. <laughs> uh, but I'll be honest with you. I was blown away by Portside Barbecue. I thought it was way better than I was expecting there. I love the variety of choices that are there. And the price of it is very reasonable. I mean, for a lunch, you can really eat there for about eight bucks a person, which really isn't bad at all. You get a lot of food, right? Uh, you know, there's, there's brisket, there's turkey, there's turkey legs, there's obviously a ton of pork options as well. You got beans, burnt ends, cornbread. Um, I, I think the menu is fantastic. I think they did an excellent job. And from what I understand, barbecue, first of all, is tough to do to begin with. Second of all, do it on a cruise ship without the advent of fire or open flame, I should say, makes it even more difficult and i think they've hit an absolute home run with portside barbecue i just the proof of this is i'm going in april back on a waste of the seas for a three night cruise and as part of our dining plans for dinner we have carved out time no pun intended for portside barbecue that's how strongly we feel about it so yeah i'm a big fan of the portside barbecue restaurant i think it's well worth checking out and i think that the value considering that it's so inexpensive Makes it really a must-do. It's great for sea day, lunches, embarkation day, and even dinner, because I'm going there for dinner as well. Um, I like that they added live music to the venue in the evening as well. I'm um, always for live music. and uh, That's always a nice thing to do, so to be able to combine that with some great food, I think it's a home run. So, Portside Barbecue coming in at number five. Number four on my list is the main dining room. I love the main dining room. I love the... I love the ambiance of it. I love the service. It's really what the service that brings me there. Certainly, the food is great. I think there's there's obviously every night the menu changes in the main dining room, and you have different options to consider. But for me, I think it's the service, number one, that brings me back to the main dining room. I love having the same wait staff every night. I like getting to know them. I like making jokes with them. I like them knowing what I like and being, bringing out you know the, the kind of food that I enjoy without me having to ask them for it after one night. The, the attention to detail, I think the service in the main dining room is still top-notch, and it is what brings me back every time. I've had such great sailings recently in the dining room where the staff really genuinely cares, and when you have an experience like that, uh, I've shared this story, I think, before on, on Anthem of the Seas. Uh, last year, we went with my with my folks, and boy, do we have such a great... I mean, the, the staff truly cared. Uh, they really were there to make sure that we were enjoying it. I think this is a result... Of the advent, especially dining, because you go back a couple of years. I mean, you know, there were maybe two specialty restaurants on board the ship. Most people were still eating the main dining room. But I feel like now in today's climate, people are less inclined to eat the dining room because a) there's a lot of other choices that are out there in terms of specialty and complimentary, and b) for a lot of people, the the idea of getting dressed up, even if it means just putting on a polo shirt and a pair of slacks, is you know, it, it's it's why bother, right? And so it's not uncommon. So you go to the dining room these days for dinner and find certainly empty tables there. And I feel like the staff is saying, okay, we've got to still uphold our part of this and we're going to deliver the kind of service that truly, you know, people are are expecting here. And I think that it has been to that point, a very great experience. That's why I really enjoy it. So the main dining room is still one of my favorite places to go. You know, the food is definitely more hit or miss in the dining room. Um, I generally tell people the food in the dining room ranges between good and very good. And there are some outliers that are excellent, as well as ones or two that are like, oh, boy, you know, I'm not going to order that again. But I like the option. Of course, you can always order as much as you want. I think the classics menu is, is fantastic, whether it's the French onion soup, the spaghetti bolognese, uh, the chicken breast, uh, the various uh, steak options that are there. I think they do a really nice job with that. Uh, you know, the Caesar salad. And then the, the variety of food they also add in on a daily basis plus of course the option you go is or ask for things that are not even on the menu and the staff's willingness to i think really bend over backwards to bring you what you're looking for is tremendous whether i'm asking for uh, indian curry dishes whether i'm asking for or i'm even asking a lot of times i'm like oh and i ask what the ice cream is and uh, the ice cream of the day, the special flavors, and it's almost always, you know, vanilla, chocolate, or strawberry, or something like that. And I'm like, oh, you know, too bad it's not coffee ice cream. And, you know, they they will literally go dig in the freezer to find coffee ice cream, which they don't have to do. I'm not sitting there I'm like, can you please find me this? No, they're taking it upon themselves to make sure that I really enjoy the, the experience there. I, I think the main dining room is, is that that's a microcosm of why I like the main dining room so much. And I think it's that service. And look, not all waiters are the same, but... I think if you find a good one, it's really worth going to, and I really enjoy it. You know, it's funny. My wife does not like the main dining room. She just doesn't like the, the, from a pure food standpoint, she prefers specially dining. That's just her preference right there. It has nothing to do with the waitstaff or anything like that, and I enjoy it. But, you know, that's why we kind of go back and forth with it. It's so nice to have that option that's there. But yeah, Main Dining Room is still on my list for my favorite places to eat on board a Royal Caribbean cruise. Next up, I've got Jamie's Italian. And really, this is a choice between Jamie's Italian and Giovanni's Table. And again, I have not been to the new Giovanni's Italian Kitchen on Freedom of the Seas. That's also coming to Alert and Explore. So this may change. But given the choice, I love Italian food. It's fantastic. I mean, look, I'm not breaking any. I know. I'm not breaking any new ground that. Italian food is really good, but it's there's something so good about having good lasagna, eggplant parmesan, uh, you know, some uh, all all the great Italian food that's out there. Uh, and for me, I like Jamie's Jamie's Italian approach to it. You know, it's not the checkerboard traditional Italian that Giovanni's provides, but it's still excellent, excellent Italian food. And I like their menu. I like that they're trying new things. And maybe this will, again, perhaps to that point of the new changes and new menus, that Giovanni Italian Kitchen will ch- will will change my in my eyes. But what I've liked about Jamie's Italian is we've seen a couple different menu iterations so far on Royal Caribbean. And I think it's a great option. I really like their pastas. I think their sauces are excellent. And I just genuinely enjoy going back and back in. And it's really funny because I think when Jamie's first came out on Quantum of the Seas, and then Anthem of the Seas, I remember not liking it all. It was fine. It just wasn't my favorite. And then there was like a turning point, I think, on Anthem of the Seas. And we ever since then, it's become one of our go-to places. I really enjoy Jamie's Italian. Um, I think their menu is great. And I think there's something that everybody can find on there that they truly enjoy. So, yeah, Jamie's Italian making it at number three on my list. Uh, number four on my list, it's a favorite. It, it's an endangered species because Royal Caribbean is in the process of getting rid of all of them. But Sabor is still one of my absolute favorite places to go. Sabor, modern Mexican. Available right now, I think only on Harmony of the Seas and Liberty of the Seas. But this is a, a Mexican restaurant. And I will go here for the guacamole, the pico de gallo, and the margaritas. That Those three things alone are worth going to. I mean, the guacamole and the, and the drinks, fantastic. Love it over there. And then on top of that, I think their menu is really, really good. I think that... Um, you know, it, it's, it's more than just, you know, make your own kind of tacos or anything like that. I think there's a lot, you can definitely tell the difference for people that are like, oh, you can make tacos in the Windjamere you go to the El Loco Fresh, which is good food as well. It's not on the same level. Number one, there's no DIY involved, but that's not not here nor there. I just think that the flavors you get at Sabor are still my favorite things that are, that are on that menu. And whether it's the tacos or the burritos or the quesadillas, um, I just genuinely so much enjoy that food that's there. And really for me, it's the appetizers. I mean, again, the guacamole, the chips, the salsa, uh, the the margaritas. If we could just save those things, if you could just move those few items over and save that, I'd be okay with Sabor leaving the fleet. But it, it is just something that I've enjoyed for so long. And I think what you have to understand about Sabor, it's, it's not traditional Mexican. It's not Taco Bell, okay? It is not like that at all. But there's a good variety of traditional Mexican and Nouveau Mexican, I guess you want to call it that. You know, there, there's some really interesting choices on the menu. And I think overall, it's an it's an excellent venue to enjoy. Uh, the cost is pretty low with it as well. Uh, I do like they went over to the cover charge. I think it's just simpler than when they used to do the a la carte. I mean, granted, yeah, with the a la carte method, if you don't know, when Sabor first came out, it was you'd pay for what you order, similar to Izumi, right? You just, you order chips. You, but then that was nice. You could go there for just guacamole and a margarita. And come out without you know spending a ton of money, but I think that with the new model, it certainly simplifies things, and it's nice to be able to kind of try. The nice thing about having coverage is you get to try different things, right? I think their tortilla soup is excellent, and and you get to you know maybe ooh you know there's a duck thing on the menu. Let me try that because I've never had that before. I certainly wouldn't order it if I was paying for it a la carte. But again, the the appetizers are really where it's at right here, and I could certainly go there and just eat chips guacamole, salsa, and margaritas and just be a happy camper. So yeah, Sabor, again, it's not long for this world. It's eventually going to be gone, but in the meantime, it still remains on my list. But my number one choice without a shadow of a doubt in my mind is Izumi Hibachi. For family cruising, for groups, for friends, Izumi Hibachi is a combination of a great experience and fantastic food. Izumi Yibachi is the uh, teppanyaki dining in which they cook in front of you on that hot grill. You sit around there. This has been not just a home run, I think, for Royal Caribbean, but just uh, an, one of the best dining experiences you can have on a real Caribbean ship. You know, when you talk about dining experiences, you're really talking about hibachi. You're talking about maybe 150 central park. You're talking about chef's table. These are things that are communal experience, not just you, but you get to see the food being cooked in front of you or it, it, the food is certainly a part, the the cooking process is part of the experience. And I I think hazumi hibachi is just so good. I mean, the food consistently every single time, fantastic. There's a ton of food and it's a fun experience to enjoy. Uh, I, I, I just, I think every cruise we go on now, at least once, we got to eat at Izumi Hibachi. It's proven to be so popular. It's one of those things that you can clearly see. I'm sure I've shared tips. In fact, I think last week's episode we were talking about dining tips, and one of them is you got to book Izumi Hibachi ahead of time. It will sell out. You've got to try it, and I'm just a giant fan of what it offers. I love the food there. Uh, my kids love it. Maybe that's also plays a big part into it. In that. When we're looking for, you know, maybe a meal or two to enjoy with our children, because we still do prescribe to the theory of we feed our kids first, drop them off at Adventure Ocean, and then my wife and I will go out to dinner to be able to have some, you know, adult time and not have to have the kids there. But there's going to be one meal that I will take my kids to without a doubt. It's Izumi Hibachi. It's great. I love that Royal Caribbean is expanding it across more and more ships, offering more and more space. I mean, if you look at Izumi Hibachi on the Oasis class, where it first debuted, you know, you have like, you know, three tables basically of of Hibachi, and now you look at Independence of the Seas, Spectrum of the Seas, Mariner of the Seas, they're adding more and more and more uh, Hibachi tables there. And that's just all about demand right there. People clearly enjoy this, and I'm certainly one of those people. I think if you're going to try, if you're going on a ship that has Izumi Hibachi, and you want to do one specialty restaurant, this is the one to try. Because, again, great menu. I mean, you've got – got what are your choices of food? You've got steak, lobster, shrimp, chicken, uh, uh, scallops. I mean, you've got a ton of choices. All the major popular meat groups. You've got great vegetables, rice. Oh, fried rice is so good, right? Uh, you know, it, it's fantastic. Love it every single time. So, yeah, Izumi Hibachi coming in. There's my top five. I want to hear from you guys. I want you to type in our comments at royalkoreanblog.com in our show notes. I want you to let me know what are your top five dining venues that are out there, whether they're complimentary, specialty. I mean, there's some shit that didn't make the list, right? I would say if I had to pick two honoraries that didn't make the list, I think Solarium Bistro still slides in under the radar. It's even under my radar. It's one of my favorite places for breakfast. But I think it's it's wonderful. So I think Solera and Bistro would be number one on my honorees that uh, did not make the list, but are certainly worthy of checking out. That's number one. Number two would be a tough one to figure out. You know, you could make arguments for 150 Central Park. I think their menu is still great, even though they have gotten rid of the uh, connection with, uh, with celebrity chef Michael Schwartz. It did, I think, take a little bit out of the experience from what it was. Like, granted, maybe this is just, you know, sometimes I don't want to I hate to be those people like, well, it used to be much better than it is now. But I think objectively you can say there are some things that are mis- like the salts and some of the menu items. But that's, you know, it's still a great venue. And of course, you've got, I mean, you've got Chop's Grill. I mean, I, at the end of the day, Chop's Grill is Royal Caribbean's signature specialty restaurant. So again, you can make arguments for all those restaurants as well. There's a lot of great choices, but I'm curious which ones you really gravitate towards you, which ones you absolutely enjoy going to and, and let us know in on royalcrimeanblog.com. All right, friends, it's time to answer your listener emails. These are the emails you've sent me about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise. I'm gonna answer as many as I can here on this episode. Our first today is from Amy who writes, I'm new to cruising. I booked Liberty of the Seas for May third for a seven-night trip to Cancun. I think you mean Cozumel, uh, Falmouth, and Grand Cayman. It was like one of the ports. Grand Cayman is tendered. How early would you get in line to get back on the ship? I'm paranoid about missing the ship due to tender lines. I've been watching your videos since I booked the cruise. Thanks for all the tips and advice, Amy. Thanks for the email. So when it comes to tenders, getting back, generally speaking, a little bit easier than going there. Uh, you're gonna find probably lot. You're gonna find the greatest lines in my experience when you want to get off the ship to go to the port and Belize is a rather long tender ride. It's, I think Royal Caribbean says it's about 30 minutes. I think it's closer to about 20 minutes, but it is, it's not like Grand Cayman, which you can go. It's like five minutes barely to get back and forth or just, you know, one way I should say from the ship to the shore. Whereas in Belize, it's a much longer when there's a reef in between. That's why the ship has a dock so far off the coast. So as a result, you can get some more lines there, but coming, but answering your question, getting back, I mean, you want to give yourself plenty of time. Number one, you want to be wary of and ask the staff, what time is the last tender? That is not the tender you should be planning on going on. Far from it. I would plan on getting back to the port to pick up a tender at least an hour before that time. That way, if there is a line, you're good. You're, they'll, they'll cover you. I would tell you this, Amy. Now, I would never try this. But if you're at the tender and you're just waiting for it, look, they're going to run. Royal Caribbean is not going to sit there and be like, well, you missed the last tender. I mean, you know, if, if they got people waiting there, they're going to take you. That being said, usually by the last hour or so, there's barely anybody left who isn't back on the ship at that point. So I wouldn't worry too much about it, but what you want to really do again is figure out what time is that last tender and then give yourself plenty of time to get back. This is true of any port you visit when we're talking about doing stuff on your own, which I absolutely love doing, but you want to give yourself time. It's all about time management, right? And coming up with, okay, here's what time we have to be back. So you want to pad yourself. You want to give yourself one, two hours. So that way, if there is a travel delay, if your taxi breaks and you can't get a taxi, you lose track of time a little bit. It's not the end of the world. You're not up against the wall there. So that's what I would recommend, Amy, in terms of getting back uh, in Belize. It's not impossible to do. I've done, The last time we were there, I found it actually easier than the previous time we were there. So for what that's worth, you can take it as, as that is. Uh, next email is from Nicole who writes, my mom and I will be sailing on the inaugural sailing of Odyssey Seas. Have you sailed on an inaugural voyage which stopped at Coco Key, likely prior to the complete renovation, during which they had special events on the island? I purchased the Cocoa Beach Club passes. However, as this is a sailing during which special events may occur on Coco Key, does this make sense? On a separate but related note, I purchased the passes for $69 to the Cocoa Beach Club on the sailing during a sale, and it's currently $79. On a cruise a few weeks ago, uh they're at 199, but in December, the last time I checked the passes were still $79. I want to provide the pricing as a data point. Thanks for all your hard work sailing and actual hard work. Thank you, Nicole. So, um, I think I understand what you're saying about the inaugural sailing and Coco Key. I don't think it's gonna matter. I will be perfectly honest with you, Nicole. I don't think there'll be much, if any, celebrations or special events going on at Coco Key related to an inaugural sailing. I don't think there's any correlation between the two. Um uh, I think that if there's going to be special things going on, it'll be limited on board the ship. I certainly wouldn't plan on it. Nicole. Again, I could be totally wrong on this, but I don't think that being on the inaugural cruise and a visit to Coco Key, like there's going to be like some bonanza going on at the dock or something like that. I, I just don't see it. Hap- I've never heard of it happening. I don't expect that to be the case. I am on the four night inaugural that's on. Uh honestly this is well, although I don't I guess are we gonna I didn't even look at the itinerary, <laughs> I just know I'm booked on it. But yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about what you're doing during the daytime. It's really gonna be what's happening on the cruise ship. Uh, certainly the first night of the cruise and some other things as well. But yeah, I don't think it'll be anything related to uh, the island. I could be wrong, but we'll leave it at that. And in terms of the pricing for the beach club, you are not wrong. When the Cocoa Beach Club was first before the Cocoa Beach Club opened up, the pricing for a day pass was somewhere between, you know, 40 and I don't know, 70-80 dollars per person uh to get in there. And then when the Cocoa Beach Club opened, two things happened. Number one, it was well received. Number two, it was so booked up that Royal Caribbean increased the price to 199 a person. So if you can get it for anything less than 199 and you got it for 69 bucks, you're in a good spot Nicole cuz yeah, at that price it's hard to pass up. Uh at 199 a person, that's a lot of money and people have asked me, what do you think of the beach club? And I would tell people for $1.99 a person, I'm not, it's wonderful and I loved it. But for $1.99 a person, I, I think that's hard. That's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. I think at that point you're I would look at a cabana, whether it's in the beach club or not over paying, like for two people, $400, I, I think you're better off with the cabana in terms of the service you're going to get and the experience there, ir- regardless of the fact of what you can get. the beach club which is wonderful by the way but again i think they're they put the price there in order to meet demand and help you know make it a little more approachable for people because it was selling out like crazy i mean the first uh, i forget the exact figure whether it was the first four or six weeks the beach club was open in which the pricing was a lot lower they were completely sold out so there you go nicole thank you for the email Next, we have a email from Dana G. Ritz I'm new to cruising Royal Caribbean and excited to check out the ships and offerings. We have a three day booked in May on Ovation of the Seas. I know you don't recommend shorter cruises, but we're not new to cruising and local to the area, and we cruise, don't have any plans getting on and off the ships at the port. We're going to check out Royal Caribbean for the first time. We've done five cruises on Disney, and I have two girls that are 10 and 12. Looking at a new cruise line for us to bring down the cost of cruising, travel, and just what the family wants from a cruise. I'm hoping to set up expectations for my family, and I have some questions I think you can help me with. Number one, what are the teen activities? My older t- daughter is not a fan of the Twin Club on Disney, one of the reasons we're trying a new cruise line. I'm not seeing a lot of explanation of what type of space or activities they have. I just see a reference to hanging out in the Seaplex. I would rather not have spent a lot of money for her just to sit and read a book the whole trip She likes sports, but is shy, so structured activities would be best. Dana, two things to stand out. Number one, for teens, I think you picked out the best ship out there, Ovation being a quantum class ship. So the Sea Plex is a large indoor sports deck. So instead of having the sports deck outside, it's inside, which is great because it helps if it's too hot, too cold, too rainy, too windy, doesn't matter, perfect conditions inside. There you'll find ping pong, you'll find bumper cars, you'll find basketball, you'll find roller skating. Uh, obviously not all at the same time. They kind of vary it all up, but I have found c to be the number one teen social hangout place because there's something to do. And it, uh, I think a lot of teens are interested in those kind of physical activities there as well. So I think that's going to be a really popular choice. In addition, there is the teen club. And I feel like when it comes to older kids, Royal Caribbean does a fantastic job. Uh, certainly I think more than Disney does as well. And I think the the thing I would say is there's a special teen club for them. I would recommend that they go check it out because I think it's gonna be vastly different than what the experience is like on Disney. And you know it's an opportunity to meet other kids as well. In addition to all that, you will also find special teen-only activities. Like the Flow Rider may have a teen-only time, and some other popular. The rock climbing wall sometimes has teen-only uh, opportunities as well. Uh, Dana's next question is: the free food options seem limited to me besides the buffet. My girls on their cruise are used to going and getting endless plates of fries, chicken strips, and burgers from places by the pools. Can you explain to me the free food options on Ovation? Yeah, so there's a lot of great choices there. It's the Royal Caribbean really doesn't do uh, pool deck food, like right by the pool, but there is complimentary food options. Number one, Dana, I want you to check out a past cruise compass. When you look at the website, it's hard to figure this out, but go to royalcaribbeanblog.com. In our main, main menu, there's a cruise compass link. Click on that. Find from Ovation of the Seas. I mean, the bottom line is, trust me, your kids aren't going hungry, and they're going to find plenty of choices that are out there. Uh, in the Cplex, you've got the Doghouse, which has hot dogs and uh, some light snacks there as well. You do have, of course, the the Windjammer, which has a lot of great food is there as well. Um, you've got Cafe Two Hundred and Seventy, um, Sorrento's Pizza. But again, it's not just like Cafe Two Hundred and Seventy has a ton of choices. There's salads. There's uh, there's uh, the fabulous roast beef sandwiches obviously sorrento's has pizza as well cafe promenade has snacks there's lots of things to do and and plenty of food to enjoy that's complimentary on board the ship but it's not just limited to what you see at the pool deck i know other cruise lines is have that like right around the corner it's not quite the same experience although the Windjammer is right by the pool deck so at least you can hop in there and then come back out there so um again there's plenty of places to grab food and i know you mentioned burgers and fries you'll find those in the Windjammer with plenty of choices there i Trust me, your girls aren't going hungry on this one. And our last question this week comes to us from Jay Agnew, who writes, I'm cruising with my parents in March on Adventure of the Seas. We're in one of the new suites on Deck 12, and they'll be in the Grand Suite on Deck 10. That detail only matters, since we have pre-cruise access to the concierge via email. When we booked, I asked for early dining, but it was on the wait list. We ended up getting in, but in talking to my dad, I found out they're still on my time. Should I have the travel agent try to move them to early, move ours to my time, or maybe just wait and let the concierge work out their magic once they reach out? Ultimately, as long as we eat together, I don't have a time preference. Jay, my recommendation is you absolutely work with your travel agent before the cruise. Do not leave it to onboard the ship. Certainly they could take care of it, but I think the best course of action is to have your dining set up ahead of time via your travel agent. The concierge is wonderful, but again, why? First of all, it's gonna take time for you to go over there. You're gonna have to have the concierge figure it all out. That's time away from your vacation. Don't bother with that. Instead, what you should do, Jay, is contact your travel agent, that's what they're there for, and tell them, okay, well, you know, here's where we are. I'm in, you know, uh, early dining. My, my parents want to also join us here, whether we go, whether they come with us to, to early or they go to, or we move to my time, let them figure that out. The wait lists do generally work out. Um, in my experience, wait lists usually come through. But I would save the onboard option there, Jake, let's say like the, the waitlist doesn't come through in time. That's totally okay because then you go to the concierge and take advantage of that. But your first course of action should be to use your travel agent to have them try to coordinate it, put you on the waitlist for that to come through and hopefully that does. And again, if that doesn't happen, then you get on board the ship and coordinate that and take care of that on day one. Either If you do both those things, have that as your plan, I think you'll be able to enjoy food with your folks. Thanks for the email, Jay. And thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.